0: Welcome to the Saga of Japan podcast, with Charles Shanahan. Episode 5, Fight Night in Yamato, The Soga vs. the Mononobe. Soon after the Emperor Bidatsu dies, the Soga and the Mononobe are at each other's throats, each with their own idea of who should replace him. One of the sons of Bidatsu, Prince Anahobe, made major moves to seize power, however, When he issued orders to the palace guards, they refused to obey him. Prince Anahobe sought out Umako and Moria, leaders of the major clans the Soga and the Mononobe, respectively. Once he found the pair, he requested that he be allowed to put the disobedient guards to death. Of course, if you have to ask your ministers to let you put someone to death for disobeying you, you're already not in a great position politically. The two clan leaders, however, agree to put the insubordinate guards to death. Anahobe calculated that once a show had been made of the disobedient guards, the other soldiers would fall in line. Once he had men in his command and backed by the powerful Mononobe clan, Anahobe planned to kill any and all potential rivals for the throne, so that he may take it for himself. After killing one of the aforementioned potential successors, Umako laments that this could set off civil disorder, to which Morio replies effectively, You have no idea. The Mononobe plot to place their chosen successor, Anahobe, on the throne would not last long. Before they could accomplish this, however, Moria needed time away from the prying eyes at court to meet with Anahobe. Soon a message was sent to the prince, asking for him to join Moria in a hunt. Fortunately for the Soga clan, the letter was intercepted and understood by Umako for what it was, a conspiracy. Fearing its potential success, Umako sent armed soldiers to the palace where Anahobe was sleeping. The prince awoke, hearing the soldiers climbing the side of the palace, and peering out of the window, he was struck on the shoulder. Falling to the ground, wounded, he frantically climbed to his feet and sprinted to a nearby outhouse. By the light of their lanterns, the soldiers discovered the prince and executed him on the spot. The assassination cleared the way for the Soga's chosen candidate, Emperor Sushun, born Imperial Prince Hatsusebe, the son of a previous emperor. It is do or die for the Soga clan now that Anahobe has been killed. Umako gathers the Soga clan and any remaining clans who are enemies to the Mononobe. One such ally gathered was Prince Shotoku. Shotoku is a major figure in classical Japan. In his youth, he received teaching from a monk from northern Japan who had studied Chinese and Buddhism extensively. Combined with a tutor educated in Confucianism, Shotoku is considered in the text to be something of a genius being able to debate ten men and ten topics at the same time. While there is little doubt based upon evidence that he was extremely intelligent, some of the descriptions of his intellect are borderline incredulous, such as the claim that he could speak as soon as he was born. As he grew older, the prince would become a prolific writer, authoring several early works on Buddhism. He was so influential that he has appeared on several different yen bills. His drive and advocacy for the Buddhist doctrine leads some to call him the founder of Japanese Buddhism. Even with all of the Soga and their allies' strength, they had good reason to fear the Mononobe. These were a clan of experienced soldiers who would not easily be defeated. When the two armies met on July 1, 587 CE, near Mount Shigi, the Soga coalition was defeated in several skirmishes. Forced to retreat for two days, on July 3, Prince Shotoku steps in. Believing they could not win without prayer, Shotoku cut down a sacred tree to craft four images of the four heavenly kings. Umako and Shotoku vow that if they claim victory, they will build temples in the four heavenly kings' honor. When battle is joined again, fortunes for the Soga seem dire. The Mononobe have climbed trees to fire arrows down on the enemy soldiers. However, a man who the Nihon Shoki calls Obito fires an arrow that kills Moria. After the battle, the Mononobe clan is exterminated, with all remaining members being killed in the battle or fleeing into the countryside and changing their name. One such case is mentioned in the Nihon Shoki about a dependent named Yorotsu who had fled into the hills. The members at the Yamato court named him a traitor and sentenced his family to punishment for his crimes. Yorotsu appeared in a local village, bedraggled and shabby from hiding, armed by only his bow and sword. Several hundred soldiers immediately tried to surround him. Yorotsu leaps into a nearby bamboo thicket. Unknown to the Soga soldiers, he had tied cords all over that shook the bamboo, confusing the soldiers as to his actual position among the bamboo. When a guard rushed a moving patch, thinking his prey was just on the other side, Yorotsu would strike from behind with his bow, killing the guard. Yorotsu takes advantage of the soldier's confusion, making another run back to the hills along a nearby river. One so-good soldier had the foresight to wait ahead and cut off his escape. When the escaping warrior appeared, Soldier used his own bow to strike Yorotsu in the knee, bringing him to the ground. No Skyrim jokes, please. Yorotsu cried out that he would have served the emperor, as he had always done valiantly, lamenting that he had simply never been given the chance. Soon after, soldiers would rush him on the ground and try and finish the job. Yorotsu drew his sword from its scabbard and fended the Soga soldiers off. According to legend, over 30 men were slain. But Yorotsu could not sustain this forever. Knowing his time had come, he cut up his own bow and bent his sword, throwing both into the river. Using his last weapon, a dagger he had concealed, he stabbed himself in the throat. Afterwards, leaders of the Soga clan ordered his body be cut into pieces. When his body was dismembered, a white dog belonging to Yorotsu appeared in a great storm. Upon seeing its former master in pieces, it howled in grief and took its owner's head to a nearby ancient mound. It remained by the head until it passed away from starvation. The Yamato court was so moved by this feat of loyalty that they ordered Yorotsu's family to raise a tomb in the village of Arimaka, where Yorotsu would be buried with his faithful dog. In their official proclamation, they espouse how rare such loyalty is, and that they hope future generations learn about this incredible act. Perhaps I'm just a sucker for a good dog story, but even so, the story of Yorotsu is interesting, for it is not the only story of canine loyalty in the saga of Japan. A well-known version, and considerably more modern, is the story of Hachiko, a dog who lived from 1923 to 1935. Hachiko is famed for his tremendous loyalty as well, waiting for his master Ueno, a professor, to return home from work at the Shibuya train station. One day at work, Ueno had a cerebral hemorrhage and never returned to the station. Hachiko returned every day to the train station until finally dying of terminal cancer in 1935, ten years after the death of his master. This case of loyalty is as moving to us as Yorotsu's dog was to the imperial court. But Yorotsu was hardly an isolated case, and the rest of the Mononobe did not fare any better. After the Mononobe are driven underground, the Nakatomi remain around, but they are not as powerful an opponent to Buddhism as the Mononobe had been. After this victory, Umako had little trouble placing Emperor Sushun on the throne, and the Soga clan built their promised temple of the four heavenly kings. In spite of being the chosen successor, Emperor Sushun would not remain in power long. A concubine of his, worried that her status was declining, and with it her proximity to power, sent a covert message to Umako. In it she stated, Recently a wild boar was presented to the emperor. He pointed to it and said, When will the man we have an aversion to, implying Umako, have his throat cut as this boar's has been cut. In this letter to the concubine attached a claim that weapons were being gathered in the palace in large numbers. We have no confirmed evidence surviving today that Sushun was intending to assassinate Umako, but the Soga leader felt it likely enough that he arranged to have his own nephew assassinated. When Sushun is killed, Suiko, Umako's sister, becomes empress, taking the throne in 593 her ascension is considered the beginning of the Asuka Enlightenment. Now, future rulers, guided by the Soga clan, the preeminent clan of Yamato, would be able to increase the spread of Buddhism and reform the government, controlling and centralizing it further than it had ever been. After the Soga clan's victory, Buddhism will begin spreading further, as more and more practitioners from China and Korea arrive. These practitioners do not only bring Buddhism with them, but also all of the many new innovations we mentioned back in episode 4, including tastes in pottery, methods of history, Confucianism, styles of painting, architecture, and law. Three major temple compounds are constructed, one by Soga Umako and two more founded by Prince Shotoku. These temples indicate not only the power of the Soga, but the increasing strength of the Buddhist belief within Yamato. They also acted as portals through which mainland ideas could flow from and be taught. Some scholars maintain that Buddha was more treated like a kami of Japan than how we see it today, and that the temples, becoming large and elaborate, were more about showing clan authority rather than supporting Buddhist teachings. Shinto traditionalists, who followed many years later, may have chosen to exaggerate Shotoku's contributions to Buddhism in order to better associate the Soga clan and its allies with evil foreign ideas and influences. To the Nakatomi and others, just the idea that Prince Shotoku and the Empress Suiko could be supporters of Buddhism, was almost unthinkable. After all, isn't the emperor the highest-level kami priest of Shinto? Some believe that Prince Shotoku sought to resolve this by making the emperor's position not only the head priest of Shinto, but also the principal overseer of Buddhism. The outline of this is contained within the writing attributed to Shotoku himself, called the 17 Injunctions of 604. The prince also instituted a cap-and-rank system, in which different colors and types of caps indicated your virtuousness and proximity and ranking to the emperor. While simple, this cap system proved effective at centralizing control, as only the imperial house could bestow cap ranks and appointments. Ideas like the emperor also being the principal overseer of Buddhism did not sit well with some in the Soga clan. At the time, they were seen as the head overseer of Buddhism and did not want to relinquish the title from the clan. Prince Shotoku has several stories around him. One such has Daruma, a monk who, according to Chinese legend, had a hand in the inventing of Kung Fu, disguising himself as a beggar to meet Shotoku. Refusing to identify who he was, the prince decided to give the beggar food, drink, and the very clothing off his back, wishing peace for the disguised Daruma. The following day, Daruma died, and Shotoku ordered a large funeral and tomb for him. When the tomb was investigated later, it was found to be empty with only the clothing Shotoku had given the man inside. Afterwards, people marveled and saw it as a sign of Shotoku's virtuousness that he could identify such a man of virtue on sight alone without knowing his background or identity. In 607, Shotoku commissions the Temple of Horyoji, a temple dedicated to the Buddha of Healing. We now know today that this temple also contained Prince Shotoku's palace. Evidence seems to indicate the original temple burned down in 670, after being struck by lightning. Yet, after being rebuilt, it is still the oldest wooden building in the world. The temple would become an important site for the future cults of Prince Shotoku. To this day, memorial services for the prince are an annual event at temples related to his legacy. The Osaka Enlightenment and its influence on the future of Japan cannot be overstated. Many think of Japan as an isolated society, only opened up to the world by Commodore Perry in the 19th century. While Japan has gone through periods of isolationism, we can already see that even in its earliest years, Japan is being influenced by foreign culture, ideas, and religion. Prince Shotoku, Umako, and Empress Suiko are major figures of this inflection point, but reforms didn't begin and end with them. During all this, you may be wondering, all of these foreign influences, what about our old friends of the Nakatomi? They could not have been happy about this. And you'd be right. The Nakatomi did not forget. It would take time, several generations in fact, but the Nakatomi are not done with the Soga clan quite yet. Next time, we'll see the chaotic era of succession as the Asaka Enlightenment comes to an end. The Nakatomi take their revenge, and Japan finally receives its name, Nihon, the land of the rising sun. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Saga of Japan podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review, rating, or subscribe. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey, and we'll see you next week.